0: Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy-making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler.
1: Hello, I'm so glad you're joining us again on the Relationship Help Show. In today's show, we are talking about why you get hooked on hope, why you get hooked on hope with hijackals, and What verbal abuse really is about and how that translates to emotional abuse a little bit down the road. So with these few things in mind, let's think about why are we so hopeful that hijackals are going to change. And remember, my definitions, of course hijackals is my word, but my definition for them is those people who hijack relationships for their own purposes, to get what they want. And then they just completely scavenge those relationships for power, status, and control over and over and over. So when you first meet these people, they seem like they are the perfect person. It seems like they've known you forever. It's like they're in your mind. They know what you want. They know what you need. They're not only mind readers, but they're body readers. You think you've died and gone to heaven and met your soulmate. And... That's the way that they charm you. That's the way they seduce you. That's the way they exploit and manipulate. And eventually you'll find that they have done some lying to you too. So we're going to talk about how we get hooked on that hope. And then we stay hooked on it because we keep hoping to see that initial person back in our lives, even though they keep showing us they're not that person, that they have changed, that they don't care, they don't have any feelings, they're not interested in you any longer, they don't care what you think or feel or need or want, and yet you keep hoping that they will go back to being that person you first met, and that just doesn't happen. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what makes us susceptible to hijackals. Why can't we see what's really going on early enough to say no to it? Well there's some really really good reasons for that so we're going to talk about that. And uh, if you need to know how to spot a hijackal, remember just go and get my free ebook how to spot a hijackal at hijackals.com. If you're not sure what we're talking about that'll tell you quite quickly. It's a short read. And then my guest, Shirlene Reeves, she's my friend, she's my colleague, and she's the author of the new book, Selling Through the Heart, which will come out soon. But what she's going to share today is her story of having been with hijackals, actually being married to hijackals, and how she was susceptible to Hijackles, and what it took to figure that all out. Because no matter who you are, a hijacker can pull the wool over your eyes if you don't know the signs and symptoms, the traits, the patterns, and the cycles. So very important to note. And if you don't know those things, then you think that everybody is like you, that they're trustworthy, and they're good, and you're looking forward to reciprocal, equal, mutual relationship, and it'll all be great. But Shirlene Reeves is here to tell you how that wasn't the case in her life, and how she had more than one hijackle before she learned what was really going on, which is not uncommon at all. I've had clients who have been married to two or three of them before they figure out the whole dynamic. It's not uncommon because why we find hijackles attractive and why they're attracted to us has to do with our upbringing and the things that we are looking for and things that we are seeing and in particular things we're not seeing. So as I mentioned, we're going to talk about verbal abuse and how it's more common than you might think. So some tips for recognizing it. And then what do you need to know if you have now been with a hijackle or you were raised by one? Or well, there's been somebody in your family that you've dreaded seeing or felt uneasy around or always on edge. And how, what you need to do once you realize that you've been around them. So we're just going to talk about that briefly. So today's show, Why You Get Hooked on Hope and Hooked on Hijackals. So stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackle pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit 4relationshiphelp.com join. Talk soon. verbal abuse it's far more common than we like to think and we don't even like the sound of the word do we nobody wants to think that people are being verbally abusive and no one wants to believe that they're being verbally abused so sometimes we make excuses for it we rationalize it we justify it and still we take it and it's really important to call it what it is and to see it for what it is and it's more common than we'd like to think, and it may be happening to you. So where is the line between someone being strict and somebody being verbally abusive? It's a fine one for sure, but for others, there's no question what's what. And that verbal abuse gets built into us. Somehow it seems normal. And we go on even tolerating it from our parents, our partners, our coworkers, our friends. And when you've been verbally abused, one of three things usually happens. A, you will often repeat the verbal abuse because that's the way you've learned to do life. Or B, you live in fear of other people being abusive and so you become a people pleaser and you take what other people hand out and sometimes you even believe it's your fault. Or C, you get some help to become your own person so you can live your own values and your vision for your life and and actually take back your life and say no to having any more verbal abuse and those three things do not include being verbally abusive to yourself or anyone else particularly not to your children i did a little research about this and verb being verbally abusive it gives you the abuser or you, whichever it is, a sense of power over someone. And in the National Domestic Violence Hotline, they were speaking about being abused by your partner. And they give this definition, see if it rings true for anybody in your life. Abuse is a repetitive pattern of behaviors to maintain power and control over an intimate partner. These are behaviors that physically harm arouse fear, prevent a partner from doing what they wish, or force them to behave in ways they do not want. Abuse includes the use of physical and sexual violence, threats and intimidation, emotional abuse, and economic deprivation. Many of these different forms of abuse can be going on at any one time. Wow, that's scary. And to think that it's more common than we would hope is also scary. And You know, I know a lot about this, and that's why I do the work that I do, and that's that's why I want people to know about it, because my mother was both verbally and emotionally abusive. Now, did I know that when I was a kid? I did, but I didn't have a name for it and I didn't know that everybody else's mothers weren't doing that when I was very small, it just felt really bad. And I hated the way she constantly put me down, found daily things, sometimes hourly things to criticize. And one of her best was how often she told me she had never wanted kids. I guess there's no question why I'm an only child. So even though it felt all wrong as a child. I, like all other children, was powerless to define another way of thinking about myself than what my mother served up every day. And you might be having a recollection of that experience yourself. And where was my father in all this? Well, he stayed away from home as often as possible. He couldn't stand her either. So, looking back, it's not surprising that he decided to become a commercial fisherman when I was very young. He had, then, an ironclad reason for being away six months of the year. Not surprisingly, all he was going through, he had serious health issues, and that put him in the hospital for uh, most years, for at least three months during his time at home, and the rest of that time, he spent it in the pool room, and... In those days, the pool room was off limits to women. So he figured it out. He figured out how not to be around her. But in figuring that out, he failed to realize that he left me with her. That was not a great choice. So another phase of abuse in my young life My father wouldn't come home on time for dinner, of course. He didn't want to be with my mother. And so my mother would drive me to the pool room and force me to go in and get him. Do you see how that's abuse? I hope so, because that's just not appropriate on any level. None of us are alone in this, although most of us felt very alone. In fact, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, December 17, 2010 edition, they said that about a quarter of the more than 26,000 adults surveyed reported experiencing verbal abuse as children. Nearly 15% had been physically abused, and more than 12%, more than 1 in 10 had been sexually abused as a child. Almost one in five people had lived as a child with someone who was depressed, mentally ill, or suicidal. Wow. Okay, so if you think you're the only one having that experience, now you know there's a whole lot more people going through it too, or have gone through it. And because it starts to become horribly, quote-unquote, normal to those who have experienced it, you just don't see it at least not in the beginning. You may see it in other people, but not in yourself. You may not actually get in touch with what's happened to you, if you ever do, until you're trying to figure out why you can't find love, or why you're in a relationship or relationship after relationship that just isn't working. When the pain and loneliness, y- yeah, remember that, it can feel terribly lonely in a relationship when you're, you've had this in your background. When that pain and loneliness become too much, you finally get some professional help, I hope you do anyway, and that's when you uncover what you absorbed in your early life intentionally, no, but very unintentionally and definitely without your permission. And when you uncover that that's been part of your experience, you will also begin to see that it has been silently sabotaging your life. So when you get some help, and I help my clients with this so I know, when you get some help, you learn some really important things. You can heal, you can stop feeling there is something wrong with you, hooray. You can give up blaming yourself, that's important start that one now you can give up blaming your partner because blame in any form is not going to help anybody and it won't help you feel better even though it might help you get your anger out you can find your own personal power and I really hope you do and you can release yourself from the shackles of the past and feel free in fact it can give you a whole new lease on life And I hope that you will get help if you are experiencing this or have it in your past, because it's affecting how you feel about yourself. It's affecting how you interact with others, what you expect of others. It's just affecting all of that. So verbal abuse, whether saved for behind closed doors, which it often is, or screamed really loudly in the supermarket, you've seen and heard that, has a definite negative effect on everyone, and it is far too common. I've said that a few times, so really get that. You may have felt very alone. You may have felt that nobody else was experiencing it, but it is far too common, and you want to explore this within yourself and increase your emotional health. So you need some insights, some support, and some strategies for dealing with it because it can be keeping you from experiencing the love and respect and safety and relationships that you're longing for. It's what we want. We want to feel safe with somebody else. We want to be able to trust right down to our toes. And when we've had this in our past, we find that very, very difficult. And you know what I'm talking about. Because you look at everybody, you want to trust, but can you trust? Are you going to be safe with them? So not getting help and still experiencing uh, the effects of verbal abuse, that's just too high a price to pay, and it keeps taking a toll on you. So get some help to see it and name it and eradicate it from your life. You really deserve that. Talk soon. Life as a couple can be exciting and enriching. You both feel supported, known, heard, and appreciated. You know you're safe. Is that what you're experiencing? Does your partner have your back? Can you be vulnerable safely? Do you trust each other fully? Would you say you were emotionally intimate? If not, things can get much better. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler and I work with couples just like you all over the world by video conferencing. If you want a world-class relationship, learn how now visit forrelationshiphelpcom join and schedule a time to work together. Let's talk soon forrelationshiphelpcom join. Today I'm really excited to have as my guest a friend of mine. And- and I'm so happy that she came on the program because she's had some experiences with those relentlessly difficult people that you know I call hijackals. Those are the people that hijack the relationship for their own purposes, and then they proceed to scavenge the relationship at every opportunity for power, status, and control, and many strong and successful women have had these people in their past, so my friend Shirlene Reeves is here with us, and she is one of only 253 certified financial educators in the entire U.S. She has a web TV show. She has a syndicated radio show. She's the publisher of Wealthy Women magazine, and she does so much more. In fact, she's just written a fabulous book that's going to come out soon, and it's called uh, Selling Through Your Heart. So you're going to want to watch for that and we'll want to have you back on so that we can talk more about that. But she helps you find answers for transforming your business and uh, developing confidence, setting the stage and getting your word out.
2: So welcome to the program, Charlene. Thank you, Roberta. I'm so grateful to be here. This is really fun today.
1: It is, and and as I said, you've had some experiences with these very difficult people, and look at you. You've survived and gone on and thrived. You were thriving during the relationship, which many strong women do, but then there is this aftermath that you have to go through to say, what happened? How, how have I lost any part of myself? So tell us your story.
2: Well... Boy, this is a story you'll find very interesting, and I'm so glad I met you, Roberta, because I really never knew the term hijackal until I was introduced to it through you, and I've actually had three of them, and I love to tell the story that I've made a fortune, multi millions, three times over, but every time I lost that money because I was married three times. So, and then they wipe you out because they think they can do better than you do when in essence, you really built the business and then they walk away. And if the reason I wrote the book, Selling Through Your Heart, is because if I hadn't had the sales expertise that I have, I never would be where I am today. They would have wiped me out three times.
1: Wow. So imagine that. Now you're thinking your relationship is a little bit rocky, and then you hear somebody who has survived and thrived after three relationships that in her words, right wiped her out. So, <laughs> so that's pretty powerful stuff. So, tell us the story of the the greatest hijackle. And of course, that's my term. I trademarked that term, so it's not a wonder you didn't hear about it until you until you and I became friends. But tell us about the major hijackle in your life and how you happened to go through that relationship. Take us through it.
2: Well, it's hard to say the most impactful relationship. So I'll just use the third one because I just didn't learn my lesson the first two times. (laughs) And I always chose these really powerful men that made a difference in the world in their own way. And then I chose to work with them and build my own business. And that's where my mistake was. And it took me three times to learn this. So I'll tell you about my last one who just passed away last year, but believe me, I had divorced him beforehand. Um, He was, well, let me put it this way. He was 17 years younger. So that was the best sales job I ever did, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't know he was a hijackal. And I found that on all three husbands, it doesn't just come about in the beginning. You don't. I didn't really know that they were hijackals, as Roberta says, um, until I got into the relationship with them. And they're really, really sneaky because they kind of take over your life a little bit at a time so that you don't really notice it until that it's so big. And let me explain what I'm talking about. My last husband, I'll use his name, Phil, he was actually picked out by my grandmother. And she said, if I could get 10 years, 10 good years out of him, I was doing really well. Well, he was (laughs) 17 years younger than I am. And so that's why I say it was quite the sales job, right? And she said this to me when he was just 24 and a half years old and she couldn't see, she was blind and she didn't see him running up and down the hallway in her wheelchair because he was bored at the nursing home. So I married him because she said she thought it was a really good idea. And I thought, okay, this is my third time. This is my last time. I'm not going to get married again. And I had built this business and I had so many wonderful contacts. I I built it from zero to multi-millions and brought him in to do the management because that's not my favorite thing to do. But what happened is over time, He decided he was going to pay himself whatever he wanted to pay himself. So suddenly he had a lot of bonuses that the corporation had no idea about. And also he had locked me out over time, a little bit at a time of all the passwords in the business. So I couldn't even get into my own system. I couldn't make changes. I couldn't see what he was doing. He literally took over all the money. And then he would call me sometime during the day and say, oh, I gave us bonuses. I just wanted to let you know. And I was like, well, who voted that in? We have a board that has to vote in those bonuses. You can't just take them. But he was doing that. And then I'd say, I want the password to the system and we'd have a big argument over that and then he'd give me the password but as soon as he gave me the password he would change it. So it was all about control and over time he took over all the control of the money and it was quite a, well let me say, it was pretty devastating and I was kind of afraid of him to be honest with you. Because I was involved in three different businesses. I was living over in Hawaii and our business was in California. So we had two different states to deal with. And I'd been through two other divorces in California. So when I say wiped out, I really mean wiped out. Because California is a community property state. So you have to give away half of everything you've got. And it really... By the time you pay the attorneys and you do the get through the divorce and all that, then suddenly they have the majority of your money somehow, and then I'd have to start over and do a new business. Well, this time Hawaii is a little different, so I was able to show the judge all the money that he had spent. And that's what you have to do is take control and get the power on your side. So I called our business attorney, I called our business accountant, and I said, hey, you know, we need to lock this guy out of the system. And the smartest thing I ever did, and I want to tell your viewers if they have a business is to make sure if you have a corporation to get one more share than they have. And that's what I had done sometime before. And he was quite the alcoholic also. So his memory wasn't as good or as crisp as it should be. And I wanted to have a woman-owned business so that I could get contracts from the government. And that's how I got that one more share, which subsequently forgot. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, let, let's just stop right there because there's a huge story here. Uh, you're talking about some very, very important hallmarks of hijackles, And so I just don't want us to get too far ahead in the story to point out that the charming bit at the beginning is a very, very, very important tell because that's the way they are, they're chameleons, they'll be whomever you want them to be. It's like they can read your mind, they're in your soul, and you tend to think you've died and gone to heaven because here is this fabulous person who seems to really love you and want to know you and give you everything they possibly can. So if anybody listening has had a person that treated them that way, don't beat yourself up about that because yeah. that's what they do and you just are believing that you deserve to be treated like that and you do. But as you're learning from Sherlene's story, that changes and you may have learned that in your own story too, that pretty soon things start to slowly erode. I've even worked with someone who the day they got married... It's it went completely south within two hours of their marriage. So it's really important to know that these people will take over things. You know, we need to watch the way we're languaging things too, because we often believe that they have our best interest in heart, and so we agree with them to help them like you said, take over the management of the company because it's not your favorite thing to do. Wow, what a carte blanche for a hijackal. I get to to manage the company and do whatever I want to do. And that's the way a hijackal would have seen it. So how long before you had woken up and smelled the herbal tea and said, something's really going sideways, how long were you married?
2: Actually, it was before I even got married. That's how unaware I was. And they make you feel like a queen. That's the thing. And he had my wedding ring designed and all of that. And I brought him into the business early on because I was working so hard that I ended up in the hospital. And he stepped in and took over. And I couldn't work for two weeks and he knew what I was doing because he'd been with me. We, we were together four years before I married him. I didn't oh. just marry him. Wow. Yes. And so I thought he was helpful and loving and supportive. I didn't know that he was getting into the business as a whole with regard to um Absconding all the money and taking over controls. So it happened before I even married him, but I was completely unaware, completely. right. And you were in a place of wanting to trust, needing
1: to trust, and that's the way it goes. So we're going to take a break. And in the second part of this interview, we're going to talk about how that all got resolved. So stay tuned and listen to part two. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. So this is part two of my chat with my friend and colleague, Shirley Reeves. She's a certified financial educator, a TV show host, a radio show host, and she's just written a great book called Selling with Heart. And we're talking about her experience with a much younger hijacker whom she married. And we were just at the part where she had been with him for four years before she married him, and yet she still did it. So Shirley, there were things going on. Did, was it that you just didn't want to believe what you saw?
2: Absolutely. And I wasn't even aware, really, of what was going on. I was so busy trying to run the business that, and I had so many orders. I had like 90 orders a day. So I didn't have time to really focus on what he was doing in the background. I was just glad to get through every day. I know you felt that way sometimes, right? Sure. Um But you know,
1: once you've been with a hijacker, and I've been with some too, uh, you don't trust too much. So, I, (laughs) you know, one of the results of that is that I am probably a little hyper vigilant about letting anybody do anything in my business, and I
2: bet you are now too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, you know, I never know if somebody that I'm dating is going to turn into that person.
1: <laughs> well, that's what happens, you know, even when you've left a hijackle and you've healed, and that usually takes about 18 to 24 months if you do the work, a lot longer if you don't. Um, but then you're always got that one thing sitting out there. Can I trust this person? Is who they're presenting themselves to me as the real person Or is this going to turn and you're always a little bit more cautious? It just goes with
2: the territory. Well, you know, it turned so slowly that I really didn't notice. And he didn't take over the accounts and start giving himself bonuses until after we were married. But I didn't know what a hijackal was. (laughs) I had no concept. And I just, I thought it was me. On the last two marriages, because I thought it was me and my problem in who I was attracting. But now I just find out that they're out there. And because I was raised by a hijackle, yes, it's what I was comfortable with exactly.
1: and And it's subconsciously familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, because long before we had language, when we've been raised in a family, there is a hijacko parent. Long before we had language, we're picking up how life goes, how relationships go, how I'm supposed to be, how I can get those giants to keep feeding me. So we just pick that up. And so it becomes part of the fabric of our being. And it seems all too right. It just seems familiar. There may be a little piece of us that doesn't like it much, but we always say, oh, well, that's the way it is. So yeah,
2: you're right. I didn't really know any different, to be honest with you. It was really when I started watching the money and seeing what was going on with the money and getting shut out of my own computer system that I had to call on the attorney and call on the accountant and say, hey, what are we going to do about this? And because I had that one more share, it gave me all the power in the business. So I was able to ultimately shut him out. And that's what I needed to do.
1: Yes. And with your business acumen, you had people to turn to, you had them in place, and you had them already knowledgeable about your business, so you could get an instant answer, which is really great. But there are many people who have not got that savvy in the business world, and they have horrible stories too. So, mm-hmm. if by chance you're thinking about going into business with someone, make sure that you take note of some of the things we're talking about today because. Hijackles are—they're are, they're, much as we might like to think that they're doing it on purpose and they're just trying to to make a mess of our lives. They're not. They're doing it because they only know how to survive in the world by doing things like that, by taking and having power over other humans and taking as much control as possible. Now you had a special case there, Sherlene, because he was able to keep that under wraps for five years almost, before he really started
2: setting off some warning bells. That's rare. Well, you know, I got to say, when I look back, when I look back over those four years, I saw that he would get between me and my friends. And he'd make it sound like he was defending me in whatever the situation was, even if I didn't need defending. And so I kind of thought he was my hero. I thought that he was on my side and he did that time and again. And without realizing it, I started losing friendships also. And he also caused problems in the family, tremendous amount of problems in the family. And that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know I had
1: I had a person come to me the other day and they said, "You know, I've I've done everything I possibly can to keep this person happy and in this case it was a woman I was talking to. So everything I can to keep him happy, I've turned myself into a pretzel. I've made myself into a doormat and I went to tell my mother about how awful it was and my mother said to me, Oh, you're, you're just not seeing him correctly. He's a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. Now, I had that experience in my life. I married a hijackal. I tried not to marry the guy. I sent him packing. I did everything. But my mother and my godmother, whom I really, really, really trusted, she, they both prevailed upon me after a year of separation because he'd gone to them and worked them over. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, well, you just this poor man he loves you desperately and he wants you know to have you as his wife and who do you think you are to turn him down and you know i got guilted into my first relationship with a hijackal even though my radar was on high alert and i'd kicked him out of my life so i understand completely what you're talking about him and they do come between you and your family just like that you know they, this guy went and prevailed upon my family, played the victim, you know, did everything he could to get the family on his side. And then when I left him, they just thought that I had done a terrible thing. And that's the way it goes. So
2: take note, it could happen to you too. So how did you get out of this? Well, and that happened to me too, Roberta. Four times I tried to break up with him and then... My mother said, oh, you got to marry him. You'll get 10 good years out of him. And actually, I got 17 good years out of him, but it wasn't an easy life.
1: Ah, Yes. Well, it never is an easy life with a hijackal because you're second guessing yourself all the time you start to question your own sanity like am i seeing this correctly is he really doing that who would do that you know one of the hallmarks of hijackles is what i call incredulity if you have a person in your life or somewhere in life in general and when they do or say something you end up saying who does that who would ever say that who would ever think to do that that's a good clue that you may have a hijackal in your life because they are doing things that are so outrageous that you think it must be you and your perception, not them and their behavior. And that's not true.
2: (laughs) Right. Absolutely right. I agree with you a hundred percent. And now I don't even want to date. (laughs) I'm afraid to date.
1: Well, I think that also goes with the territory. You're in very good company there because you know i guess I guess we feel after we 've been with a hijackle that our our picker is somehow off, and it is because of our early childhood conditioning, because perhaps we were raised by a hijackle parent, and then we don 't know we don 't know differently, and we have to learn differently, and then we don 't trust our learning for a while, and so we kind of put the face of the hijackle on every new person who comes into our life as a potential mate. And that causes us to certainly keep ourselves from hijackles, but it also causes us to keep ourselves from love.
2: Absolutely. So, how did you get out of it? I it cost me sixty thousand dollars. I hired an attorney on Maui who had an accountant attorney for a husband. And it was actually um, Reagan's lead attorney. And I said, look, it's all about the numbers. And we ran the numbers. And the judge got into all the numbers. And um, we had to get him over on the island to sign the documents. And he signed them. And I had to give him money to get him to sign them. And that's how I got out of it. But $60,000 later, plus all the money he had absconded from the business.
1: Right. That's actually... In some, in some situations I've heard of, that's not even a high amount of money. You know, I think you were fortunate that you were on Hawaii. I think you were also fortunate that you already had attorneys in place. Because right. for many people who are sitting listening today and they're thinking, how do I get out of it? I don't have any money. Because right. the hijackal has taken over all the funds, managing the finances. And, and they do that. Like, oh, well, let me look after that. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I don't want you to be bothered with that. Many times they'll say that. And many times they will do it in a gentle way and everything will be fine. And then they start reducing your access to the money. And when you do want to leave them, you don't have the money to hire an attorney or to get the help that you need. That's one of the reasons I do the show, Shirlene, is because there are many people who don't know where to start, don't know how to start, and don't have the money to start. And I really want them to wake up and say, wow, I think I'm in that situation. I'm with a hijackle." So how long after you got a divorce? did it take you to actually feel like you could relax?
2: Oh my, it was quite a while because there'd been so many challenges with the business and he kept trying to steal money after that. So I had to one step at a time, get him off of everything. And it it wasn't easy. And and I have to tell you, Roberta, other than the 60,000, there was another 240,000 in cash that he had taken out of the account. So it wasn't just 60000 No. And I had a payroll of about $115,000 every two weeks. So him taking the money out made it very difficult for me to pay my payroll.
1: Right. Yeah. So, you know, I love the fact that you said earlier that your greatest sales job, <laughs> selling from the heart, was having a 17-year-old younger, 17-year-younger man uh, marry you. Now, would you ever consider selling out that way again? No, never. Never. No. So I I bet that you have the wisdom now, and I know you do because we're friends and we talk, but you have the wisdom to know that if you have to sell yourself to someone else uh, or sell them on the idea of being in relationship with you, that's a good job to fire yourself from.
2: (laughs) Yes. I'm not doing that again. No No, way.
1: (laughs) I'm sure you're not. And now you have this wonderful new book coming out, Selling with Heart, and it's, um, it's about empowering relationships for financial freedom. And you could tell from hearing Shirlene's story that she's been through a lot. Not only has she educated herself to be one of only 253 certified financial educators in the U.S., but she can share that wisdom with you and give you all the insights that you need in her new book. So any last words, Charlene of wisdom for someone who is in a relationship with a hijackal and realize they need to get out?
2: Oh, I just say, if i would known about you at the time, it would have made a whole difference in my life and what I experienced. So if you're in that kind of situation, by all means, Connect with Roberta because she's got the answers. I had no one to go to for the answers. And believe me, she knows how to work with these people. And I think she can give you some really good insight and some tips on how to move forward eloquently so that you don't lose everything like I did three different times.
1: Oh, well, that's a great endorsement. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for sharing your story with everyone. My guest is Shirlene Reeves, and you can find her at MaximizeYourWealthNow.com and watch for her upcoming book, Selling from the Heart. Thanks so much for being with us.
2: You're welcome. I enjoyed it.
1: matter what's happening right now, life can get better. If you have a good relationship, it can become great. If your relationship is in trouble, we can find a solution. The good news is that it's in your hands to start. The not so good news is that it takes time, new insights and skills, and a whole bunch of willingness. But who would settle for less? Not you, right? Good. You want to feel seen, heard, known, accepted, and appreciated. You want honesty, safety, trust, respect, and reliability, too. Read my book Kaizen for Couples, available for download at couplesbook.com. Start there, and let's talk soon. Too much drama. Do you have too much drama in a relationship that you have with a partner, with an ex, with an adult child, with a co-worker? Constant drama can wear you out and wear you down. You feel that right down to your exhausted toes, don't you? You're kind of saying to yourself, again, really, you're going to bring that up again? Or... It's all your fault. I don't even know why I stay with you. That's what you hear. And the other big drain that drags you down is the constant hope that things will magically change. You keep investing in the idea of change, but you don't initiate the change. Too much drama in my relationship means that at some level you're putting up with it, enabling it, or condoning it. I'm sorry, but at some level you're allowing it and you have to make the change. So does that sound familiar? If so, know that nothing will change until you change. I'm sorry, but it's true. When there's a bunch of drama present, predictability cannot be present. When drama is present, you cannot even think straight. You're caught off guard. You react rather than respond. It becomes a pattern, and you've become part of it. The issue is, can you see it? The one big thing you have to do to stop the drama is to know yourself well enough to set, express, and maintain strong boundaries. I know that's really easy for me to say and really hard for people to do. So how do you do it? A boundary is the line between what is all right with you and what is not all right with you. So let's use the example of name calling. You don't like it when your partner calls you a slob or a nag or a loser or a failure, right? I mean, who does? So yet some people put up with it. And that's the moment when you want to express a boundary. It would sound like this. Name calling doesn't work for me. I get angry and stressed when it happens. I am triggered and angry because I feel diminished by it. I'm happy to talk about difficult things with you. However, when name-calling starts, I am going to leave the conversation because it's going nowhere good. Could you do that? The most important thing when you're expressing a boundary is to make it stick. After you say something like that, something like name-calling doesn't work with for me. I get angry and I get upset and I feel diminished. Can we do without the name calling so that we can have a great conversation and stay conversing? So you've got to make it stick. So you say that, and then it happens again. The name calling starts again. And the next time your partner calls you a witch or a deadbeat, you say, I said I would leave a conversation when name calling starts, and I'm going to do that now. If you want to talk about this further, we can do it at a later time when there is no more name calling. And leave. Make it stick. Too many people make empty threats without ever setting boundaries. There's a big difference between a threat and a boundary. So they get frustrated and angry and stressed or depressed, and then they go into shutdown. And they threaten to leave, but it's really just something that they say in order to make the pain go away, to stop the conversation, to shut it down. And so they threaten to leave, and it's kind of a half-hearted attempt to change the conversation. But they stay. The boundary is never expressed. The resentment builds, and trouble boils up. Now you need to know, you have every right to express your boundaries. That's simply saying, here's where I end and you begin where it's okay for us to stay in relationship. And if you don't tell somebody what your boundaries are, don't think that you're with a mind reader and they're going to magically figure it out. That's your job. You need to be able to express your boundaries. And if you're with a hijackal, it becomes particularly important for you to do that. Not because the hijackal is going to magically start respecting your boundaries, but because you are strengthening and empowering yourself to have those boundaries. And every time you set them, they get stronger and they get more meaningful and you get them reinforced within yourself. It may or may not do anything with the hijackal. In the beginning, they won't believe you at all. That's why you have to learn to make them stick. So you have absolutely every right to express those boundaries. And you should. But you must make them stick because otherwise your partner will just laugh and trample over you further. So what are you going to get? More drama. Too much drama in my relationship? If that's what you're saying, what are you putting up with in the drama department? What drama are you causing? What drama are you perpetuating because you won't stand up and set your boundary? you're not going to threaten anybody. You're not going to put the fear of God in them. You are simply going to say, this is okay with me. This is not okay with me. What can we do about this? Or I would prefer this. Or if you keep doing things that are not okay with me, I am going to leave, or I am going to leave the conversation. And then make it stick. Because we're In a relationship that has too much drama, we can complain about it a lot, but if we're not willing to do anything about it, we become part of the problem. So what are you putting up with in the drama department? Good question. What drama are you engaging in and maybe even causing or maybe perpetuating? Don't be afraid to set boundaries. You have that right. You take up breath. you You draw breath. You take up space. You have the right to be assertive about what you think, feel, need, and want. Therefore, you deserve to speak up for what you need and want. So take these actions and see how you can improve your relationship, particularly improve how you feel about your part in the conversation. That will help you step away from the drama and not be part of it. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm so glad that you're listening. Please visit me at forrelationshiphelp.com. And if you have one of those relentlessly difficult, toxic people in your life that I call hijackles, be sure to visit hijackals.com. Talk soon.
0: There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shaler directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.